0: COVID-19 has sped up many sea change and tree change plans and one area reaping the benefits is Byron Bay and its hinterland. What does this migration from the cities mean for that property market? Will it become a proxy satellite suburb of Sydney and Melbourne? Will the locals be priced out forever?
1: Vanity Fair actually called it a unicorn destination. It's a one-off and I think it's going into that area now with the combination of the the local beauty and the sense of community, and the perfect weather, and the great surf, and their celebrities that are living here and moving here and want to visit. And I see it moving into a, you know, like a Santa Barbara, or other people have called it a, a tropical Monaco.
0: download our free full or forecaster report which experts can you trust to get it right the, the au Probably Australia's most desirable sea change destination is Byron Bay, and large numbers of Australians have been prompted to make the move there post-lockdown. Today, we want to understand the impact on the property market. We're joined by Michael Murray, Principal of Byron Property Search, a buyers agency based in Byron Bay. Michael's been servicing the whole of the Northern Rivers for over 20 years and has lived in the Byron Bay area since the mid-80s, so we figured he's well-placed to share what's happening on the ground, both from a professional and local perspective. Thanks so much for joining us today, Michael. Michael.
1: Thanks for having me, Veronica.
2: Michael, uh, I mean, the Byron Bay has been in conversations for me for years, but I think in the last year or so, it's just on overdrive. I mean, how much have you seen, I mean, prices, let's call it, have changed really over that last year or so since lockdown?
1: Uh, It was really a funny situation like most of Australia in March, April, we thought it was going to be doom and gloom and everybody was expecting a big downturn uh like May, June, it started to, people thought it wasn't the end of the earth. And then ever since then, it's been an exponential growth that none of us have seen. Uh, well, I've been a buyer's agent for over 20 years. I've lived in this area and I've experienced a few boom periods, mainly the yeah. 90s. And then there's 2002, 2003 was massive. But this is just so off the chart. It's really hard to put a growth on it, but you know, I think since I haven't got the stats, but if I was to guess, since either last year, we've probably seen a thirty-five percent growth in prices, but yeah. it's patchy in that we're seeing really a massive increase in over not overpayment, but people are just going over the top for well-placed properties in a good location that are finished. That um, in the three mm. to eight million dollar range of people who have just gone, I'm out of here, and they're cashed up, uh, and they're either expats or sellers from the city, and they're just making a move for the family, and you know, I want to get something for the rest of my life, and they're thinking uh, uh, pool, water tanks, veggie gardens, solar. Uh, system, you know, yeah. that's, that's kind of and, – and a few acres within a 10 to 15 to 20-minute drive from the beach, that's kind of mayor from heaven for, for them at the moment, and that's been, like, massive.
0: <laughs> Do you know, it's funny because, like – you know, most people, when they do the sea change or the tree change, they sell out of their expensive capital city market, they're cashed up, and then they go and they got some change. But it sounds like you sell out of your, your expensive capital city market, you're cashed mm-hmm. up, you go to Byron Bay and its environs, and you've got no change. You know, it, it doesn't appear to be that there's any, you know, downsize of bargains to be had. Or, or expat, ex, you know, city expat. <laughs> it,
1: it's always surprised me that people don't realise that, for example, one Byron Bay, has a higher median price than, than Sydney does. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you take the whole shire as an average, it's probably just below Sydney's average. Mm. The last time I looked, and it depends who you quote, but, you know, we have uh, a median average from the last time I looked, which would have been before Christmas, around a 1.5 1.6 where Sydney was 1.3 and a half so we mm. yeah, that's two for eight one so yes there is not much change left yes left for people buying in also the market has changed my the majority of my clients up until recently were baby boomers semi retirees people looking for a shift and making a permanent shift in 3 to 5 years but wanted to buy something sooner rather than wait for that Mm. time. So they're not priced out. But now the majority of my potential buyers are what I call hipster startups. Uh, You know, late 30s, early 40s, young couples with a young family, and they're really mobile buyers. They've got an internet business or run some kind of uh, business where they don't have to be there all the time or can commute And that's another thing that people don't realise, the sea change, tree change activity is people are bringing their business and bringing their activity here to the shire and not really looking for a local chance of employment. You'd find here at any time, non-COVID, of course, your Koolangatta and Ballina airports are just packed with commuters and not people just commuting to Sydney and Melbourne, but people commuting to LA or Singapore. I mean, I had a yep. client for a while who would be two weeks in Malumbimbi and two weeks in Singapore, mainly because his wife refused to live in Singapore and wanted the, you know, rural lifestyle. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: How are the how are the locals feeling about, um, you know, whenever prices rise, and you're saying around a thirty five percent rise. I mean, a market's carefully balanced on what the locals can afford, but now it's not what the locals can afford. It's what these, you know, these cashed-up hipsters and the downsizers um, can afford. So how are the locals feeling about this big shift in property? Can prices?
1: I swear on this Zoomcast? Pissed off, Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's quite intense and it has been for a while. So, you know, as you could imagine, uh, it's a very Baltic community to start with. <laughs> you know, there's a line that uh, we've got too many uh, lawyers and half-degree uh, retirees here and they all they know how to do is argue. So uh, people are really up in arms at the moment, especially around Airbnb as well, because mm. everybody's looking around saying everybody's... Uh, you know, because I think there's there's such an engaged, active and vocal community And that's really what makes it an attractive place to be. And that's what a lot of people want to move to experience and have. But the downside of all, well, the upside of that is that people are very engaged in how they feel uh, the region and the community is traveling. So they really feel, and I can understand it, and I share that a bit as well as a lover of the community, how this will wash out in a few years and what it looks like. So... As I've experienced, my clients over the 20 years I've been doing it, many of them become friends and um, you know associates now. They're on my books for years, and they ring me up five years after I've done their deal and ask, "God, do you know a landscape or I'm renovating?" So I'm always available to them, and I've always felt that they are uh, whoever they are—hipsters, startups, or retirees, baby boomers—they're going to merge and, and mesh well with the community. Everybody wants more or less the same things to keep the environment intact, to go to farmers markets, yeah. do their yoga classes and live this kind of uh, uh, lifestyle that people are attracted to. But what's happening now is that there's a you know a clique of people who are really not that that's not their real priority. It's, we've we've moved into a strata when we're now a destination and a a property asset uh, uh, to uh, be part of somebody's portfolio, Mm. whereby when you get blue-chip real estate, that somebody could spend $10 million on a rural property or a house that water goes, and they'll never visit it. Maybe once a year, come for a few weeks. And uh, so that's the threat that people are feeling that could be an outcome of this, is that even more uh, of a distraction than Airbnb, which I don't think, you know, people say, how are we going to have affordable housing here? Forget about affordable housing in Byron Bay. It's just hasn't existed for years and it won't exist in the future, Mm. unless there's real legislation and political change with the incentives and how things live. So I can understand why a lot of locals uh, are feeling concerned on both levels. They're coming at it from the Airbnb angle and they're also coming at it from property prices at that luxury level, uh, it's just gone berserk. But you see, yeah. we're also having a lot of people now that have had investor houses who have been renting for years. They've now read the media and they think, oh, maybe this is a good time to cash in. So they're selling their house at Ocean Shores or Mullinbimbi and cashing out, thinking this is the top of the trend line. Mm. But then those renters mm. that have been there for years are being asked to leave by the owner-occupiers yes. of people who are moving in.
0: Mm.
2: It's a really interesting Where A price shift uh, also changes your community, right? The people who could afford it at 2000000 million can't afford it at that price anymore and the people who have got $3 million might be a different demographic or a different background. Um, and Byron is about the community just as much as the sort of lifestyle around there. So it's interesting to see what the community do as a response. If the people there move, moving there are different to them, do they start to leave or do they just stay in the community because of all the other options that Byron has, like the nature and the airport?
1: They would stay, but the trouble is there's, there's sometimes it's not an option to stay because there's nowhere to live. There's nowhere to rent and there's mm. nowhere to buy if you don't have the purchase amount required. Yeah. So what we're yeah. seeing is people are being forced to move and there's, you know, we're seeing some people finding real hardships and there's people with jobs who are, um, you know, workers, they're sleeping in their cars or, uh, or crowd, uh, mm. sofa, uh, sofa surfing, what's it called?
0: Couch surfing.
1: <laughs> Couch surfing, yeah.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is something that's, it's, I guess, it's magnified up there because of the vol- or the value of properties in the first place. You know what I mean? So if they're yeah. increasing thirty five percent on on what we, like you already said, the the uh, median price was higher than the median house price of the whole Sydney, and so that makes it particularly difficult. But then there's also you got a migration of people coming to the area, and I would imagine some people are wanting to rent when they get up there as well. And if they do have or they're able to work remotely, perhaps they've actually got higher disposable income. To be able to pay higher rents, so I would imagine there's there's quite a mm. lot of pressure on the local population in terms of affordable housing, both rental and purchasing.
1: Um, not just on the uh, the the people running restaurants and businesses. Mm. That's their major concern as well because they're not getting staff. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, I know a friend of mine's got six restaurants in Byron, and he's at a loss because. Uh, he can't. He's got people who are really willing to work, but they say, "Well, I can't because I'm having to commute from Lismore or Moreland Bar." Mm. Uh, it's like the city. It's like it's a similar. To what is happening in uh, yeah. San Francisco and yeah. uh, uh, around areas that are have high high value employment? And how do you get uh, you know brewsters and, and cleaners and staff to service this kind of clientele so that's what where the push is on now. Uh, and that's that's a dilemma for more than just the people finding it difficult to find uh, a dwelling.
0: It's really ironic, isn't it? I mean, because this is a sea change tree change uh, area. it's so beautiful up there. you know we all I think like you can't find anybody that doesn't love it up there. Um, and yet, they're taking all the big city problems, you know, it's just, it's a bit insane, don't you think? I mean, this is where you're meant to go chill out.
1: Well, I think that's it in a nutshell. Lots of people want to chill out at the moment.
0: <laughs> they won't be chilling and they're taking all these problems there from the city. I think there's also a big thing there, you know, the, the Byron area has had this big celebrity effect thing happening, right? Do you think that that's got anything to do with it or is it they also coming because of the overall demand, the you know the well-known attraction of Byron Bay?
1: Well, we've had a few uh, poor factors working on that at the moment. Yes, there's that Stardust quality and Chris Hemsworth and the family um, have kind of been leading that. You know, I've had a few celebrity clients and it's really bizarre here now because I've been packed with them as well because we've got kind of spotters here that <laughs> are, that are running around and if they see somebody in a cafe, they ring up these pap- paparazzis and they follow you. And I've kind of been in a couple of situations where I've experienced it myself. And it <laughs> is bizarre when you find that, you know, just the thing of going to the beach or sitting at a cafe, you become, you know, I really feel uh, how much of an invasion that is for these people. But besides mm. that, The the global destination of Byron Bay, this is something that uh, I'm trying to uh, educate and inculcate with the community here is that the idea that we're going to go back to a nice sleepy surf town (laughs) uh, where everything is chill and easy is just ridiculous. What we have to do is how are we going to manage this permanent transition from a sleepy little village to a global destination. I mean, I will listen to, it was on Graeme Norton the other day and Melissa McCarthy, See, that's the other pull factor. We've had all these, because Australia's been successful with COVID, we've had Byron now has been a destination because we've got so many uh, uh, professional media people, uh, cinematographers and sound. Mm. We, we can. So we've had three or four at any one time major productions happening, which is another factor. You know, just the one Mm. I worked on, one as a location scout, which I do on the side as well. And people came to Mullumbimby and they took 50 houses in Mullumbimby and Brunswick Heads just for cast and crew. And Melissa McCarthy Mm. was on Graham Norton the other day and she had to get made, made up, you know, to look her best for being on online and they said to her, you look so great, because she woke up early in the morning because of the time difference, and she was (laughs) all made up. Oh, but I can't go out in Byron Bay looking like this. People here don't wear shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you mean, you spoke really
2: uh, about two issues. One, the Airbnb, which I think some rule changes may happen up there, where it limits the nights you can sort of rent it out and and things like that, which would be interesting to get your thoughts on. But there's also that person who's got their second or fourth or fifth home um, and maybe it's in Watergoes or maybe it's another part of Byron that just don't ever go there. Those those are the two things that I guess the locals are potentially upset about the most, maybe also the cutting up of farms and, um, you know, reducing the food bowl. I guess. Are they the issues?
1: Look, the issue really is an unknown, all of those. Airbnb, as I said, people are using Airbnb as a can to kick down the road as if this is the answer. My thing is, look, even if we go to the 90 day limit, that's not gonna bring in affordable housing because even if something that's been run yeah. as an Airbnb, suddenly they don't run it, they can only run it for 90 days. That $2 million property or $5 million property at goes is not gonna go back into the affordable rental yeah. market. It's just, It's just absurd yeah. for people mm. to think that there will be this transition. The other question of people, I think that's that's what I'm trying to signal as a warning in five years' time, what's called we're going to have to introduce a vacancy tax, which some popular, uh, popular yeah. destinations do to try to offset. That's what I'm saying to a lot of people that I'm talking to here. Look, Airbnb is the problem we had 10 years ago. That's kind of manageable in a way, and it's not going to solve our problem, but one of the things that we can try to manage for the future is... Uh, this um, asset-based portfolio property, so people just park yeah. a ten million-dollar home in in Watergoes and don't use it. You know the problem in Watergoes, to give you another example, is that there's a, a string of eight houses in Brownhill Drive on Watergoes with a good view, of course. And five of those eight houses are under reconstruction at the moment, being pulled down and yeah. million-dollar mansions being put there. So that's upsetting yeah. the whole area because how do you get five houses being renovated in a short strip, the, the tradies and the trucks and the parking? Mm. and then be, It's like chaos.
0: It's yeah, chaos. I can imagine. <laughs> the block.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, building booms are happening everywhere though. I mean, there's, there was an article on the weekend about one in a clues in Sydney and the whole mm. street. Everyone's doing knockdown rebuilds and, um, you know, I guess construction upsets a lot of people, right? Especially in small towns that can't deal yeah. with the, 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 you know, the streets matter a lot, right? In small towns, if you shut off one street, it, yeah. it you know, basically yeah. congestion.
0: Now, in the hinterland though. And I'm harking back now to a couple of episodes we did with Location, Location, Location. And, you know, for many, many years property prices were very stagnant. You know, properties would sit on the market for a long time before they sold, a lot of them selling under uh, replacement cost, you know, and, you know, that was sort of off the back of the last boom. Yeah. I guess people forget that in well, people always forget the downtimes in the in the good times or in the in the, the the booms, and they also so forget the booms when they're in the downtime. So that recency bias that we have, what what you know, I guess what do you say to people about that? Because you know you've been there for twenty, you've been working in this space for twenty years. You would have seen that, and you would have felt that pain that some people have had for long periods of time, not been able to sell, or not been able to recoup whatever they paid in a boom. I imagine the peaks and troughs in this market are pretty can be pretty steep.
1: No, I disagree on two counts. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was a big downturn after the GFC in 2008, and then yeah. there were a lot of pain for those people in the rural properties who had spent $2 million buying a few acres and then spending a $1 million uh, building the luxury home thinking they were going to do a, a big flip and cash out so the timing was really bad for them and we saw probably a 40% pullback and there were properties that were hanging on the market for a long time now. And of course we could see another big downturn and the, you know, the, the world's a very uh, fragile and, and uh, erratic place to say the least. Uh, so whatever happens to the future I do not know but I, I think that what's changed since then is this awareness and uh, appreciation of byron or, of of other somebody's called it Vanity Fair, actually called it a unicorn destination <laughs> it's a one off and I think it's it's going into that area now with the combination of the the local beauty and the sense of community and the perfect weather and the great surf and the celebrities that are living here and moving here and want to visit and I see it moving into a you know, like a Santa Barbara, or other people have called it a, a tropical Monaco. You know, we're kind of moved out of these places where I think, even I think similar to the eastern suburbs of Sydney, or some suburbs, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, F, SW suburbs in London, or you know, upper west side New York, which are always uh, uh, quarantined from massive downturns. Of course, there will be. Uh, ups and downs and trend lines that uh, sometimes go against you, mm. but really, why these this big money that are doing this asset portfolio buying here? Because I realise now that we this is a buy, and it is a long term hold, and it's a security. And why wouldn't I? I can understand the financial economics of it of what's happening because you can park a few million dollars in a in a trust account or a, a managed fund and get one or two percent but if you park five million dollars in a house in water you don't have to do much for it and in five or ten years you've probably made 50 percent.
0: Yeah
2: I mean what are some of the things that could really change Byron for the worse though I mean could you know I've seen some regional areas where uh, you've got this beautiful sort of coastal lifestyle you know you know a lot of uh, heritage sort of uh, character homes um, small communities and then on the other side of the freeway there's house and land packages that are on 300 square meter blocks and they're completely shifting the sort of livability of the suburb um, and you know so you do you think you could see a, a house and land package boom out there or could you see you know lots of these bigger 100 acre 300 acre farms get cut up into single acre farms I mean that would add a lot of supply or or apartments hitting the Water?
1: no the only the only uh, see that's what we call the zoning is very strict now There's agricultural protect so farming land can't be cut up anymore the only way and that's one of the things that's driving this increase in small acreages is that you uh, is the only community title is the only way to get a, um, a small rural acreage of two or three acres where a hundred acres is able to be split up if it's in a zoning and you can buy one of those you know they come up occasionally but you buy buying to now for three acres on a community title which means that you it's like body corporate you still have a body corporate and you have community land yeah. that you have to share in common It's like a strata in the city is community title on land here. But, you know, a good place come some coming up now in Coorabell and the buy-in is like 1.4 for vacant land Mm. uh, minimum.
0: Yeah. Look, Suffolk Park, Chris, I think that – that idea that you've got one side of the road is all house and land packages and the other side is sort of more established closer to the beach more expensive so that's one oh, yeah. example of that but so and that's quite an old subdivision though now isn't it michael
1: oh yes, south byron hills and uh, and uh, baywood chase yes
0: yeah that's- so there's not much more of that happening is that what you're saying
1: no, these um, the last. Uh, there's only two. There's West Byron to come, mm-hmm. and that's been very contentious and very fraught, uh, very protested against, and that will happen. And then there's the last two stages of uh, a subdivision in Mullumbimby, mm. and there there's been they were taking names for those. You know, you started on a list, and they were going to do a lottery but now it'll go for auction and those last two uh, releases of what probably 20, 30 houses or house lots per release, they will be the auction. I don't know what they're going to come in. They were selling before $400. They, they could sell for 550 600 for the vacant lot. Mm. I mean, that's the,
2: the more that the price of these sort of land goes up, though, the more tempting it is for councils for the owners of these lands to see if they can bend the rules or change the rules? I mean, I know you said there's only a couple of estates to come, but, you know, maybe there'll be a couple of more estates sort of released after that. Do you, do you, do you see that the, the council is going to be, I guess, enticed just to take no, the No, uh,
1: not this council. Uh, we've got a green council that's fairly, fairly progressive and they're trying to do their best. Uh, to increase supply, but the nimbyism factor is very extreme here. Mm. But a lot of people are realising that, yes, uh, nimbyism stop anything from happening and stop another development from happening. Yes, that may uh, protect to a certain extent mm. the amenity of a certain area or a suburb, and it will increase house prices, but it's going to certainly damage long-term the feeling of community and where a lot of people are having to move out where they can't where their lifestyle can't be sustained if they're a renter or they don't have the assets to buy in so you know it's a payoff it's a it's a, it's a wicked problem <laughs> <laughs>
0: TheElephantInTheRoom.com.au. Talking about these lifestyle blocks, you know, there's two and three acre blocks that are subdivided in a community title subdivision. And I remember when I was up there, up that that way, late last year. And you know, as I do, whenever I travel, I look at real estate, and I noticed there's sort of a dead giveaway in the way that they're they're numbered. So it's like might be two of 365 Rosebank Road or something. So. Um, so I thought that's what must be the case. And then McLean's Ridges, the first time I ever went up there years ago, my friend lived on the edge of a dairy farm that her sister and her husband owned in this Queensland, I mean plonked on the side of the hill with the most incredible views. And then McLean's Ridges has been subdivided in much the same way with all these effectively large project homes on big blocks. You know, is how are those properties you know is there a big demand i mean there's a big demand from everything of course, but are they seeing the sort of poor man's poor man's um uh, hinterland home how how do they perform in the market
1: yeah, they perform well but they that 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 that'll be great because what we're seeing now is that McLean's bridge is just outside byronshire in, in Lismore Shire. Mm. we're also seeing the same in Ballinashire and the better example than McLean's Ridge is um, Lennox Head, which is just over mm. the border. Mm. So they've had a lot of land released in Lennox Head. And all of the blocks, there's still a few more, but they lan- released land for the next 20 years for that area of Ballina Shire. It is all gone, soaking up from the demand from Byron. So you right, see yeah. Ballina Shire, their council contributions have been mega, uh, just on the back of Byron's popularity, but basically they've shot them and fell them foot because their land releases have been all soaked up in the first three to five years.
0: So you say there's none left?
1: There's none left. I mean, there's a few more in Epic, but Lennox Head now uh, uh, um, has had uh, uh, a big expanse of urban uh, development. And uh, Byron now, I don't see any more greenfield development except for West Byron. Uh, you know, we the, I, I, I can't see where they'll do it. It's not in any rural uh, or urban settlement strategy with council. The main one that's in the fighting at the moment is for what's called a business and industrial land strategy where they're trying to get more uh, small industrial land because the demand for people running small businesses, especially around specialty yeah. produce, mm. you know, there's a whole thing, you know, activated mm. nuts or you know, kombucha <laughs> or whatever, you know, all yeah. this because they're playing off the Byron brand as well. You know, mm. all these yeah. specialty foodstuffs want to get made in Byron or, you know, Byron whatever, yeah. Byron, Byron nuts, Byron waffles. Cookies. Byron, <laughs> <laughs> Byron Cookies. Yes. Yeah. So they they have had some of these big businesses that have become successful, like Byron Bay Cookies and Stone and Wood. They've had to build mm. factories up at Bar because they can't get the land to do it here in Byron Shire. So at the moment, the uh, demand for rural subdivision has kind of gone, and the fight now is for people who are wanting to see uh, the, the the population stay. Uh, employed and active and not just a tourism destination is saying, you know, we need more industrial land release. So that's, uh, at the fore at the moment. But you see what's happened now and it's been really popular is that some of these business parks as well is for what's called home, um, home office. So there's been a development yeah. here, uh, which you should go and look at habitat. It's just gone nuts. Yeah. You know, like it's just got a couple of restaurants, it's on, I think, four yeah. hectares, and it's mm. the demand for that. And it's you can go there and you get a picture and the image of where bar and lifestyle as a destination is happening because you get you know, a clear example of what this hipster start, hipster startups and the yummy mummies doing yoga and that thing, and it's very cool and hip and happening. And they, they're gonna have to roll out more than more of that because that's where it's happening. Because, you know, people are wanting to move from Surrey Hills or Carlton, they wanna have that lifestyle. They wanna be able to live and have their internet office downstairs and walk or bike ride to their coffee shop and the beach and interact with everybody at the gyms and buy their cashmere shawls at the shop just down the road, (laughs) and, you know, that's where it's going. How do you supply that?
0: It is fascinating, isn't it, because we we are talking about – it's basically a metropolis, you know, it's got got to have all the infrastructure, all the same things uh, to support all the people that are coming into the area and then that creates the demand, the problems because, of course, land land values rise, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch this play out. One of
2: the big things there is the local utilities, right, which are, you know, the roads, the sewerage, the electricity. I mean, yeah. As you know, when I was up in Byron, I was obviously doing a big thing around that new roundabout and the new bus depot, etc. I mean, how are they all sort of handling, how's the sort of local infrastructure handling it all?
1: Um, yeah, it's a big topic as well. Um, you know, the potholes is an ongoing debate because, you know, unfortunately because of the weather here and we get, it's subtropical, we get a lot of rain, the roads are, are very much uh, you know, easily damaged by that, especially now. But also because we have two nearly 2 million visitors, every year when it's on Mm. or just day trip is down. So there's no way of capturing, you know, that as an income stream except the shops do, but there's no rates or council except for paid parking, which has been successful, is trying to raise revenue to keep the infrastructure intact. Mm. But what you're talking about with the bus shelter and the new, that's been a Byron Bay master plan that's been in process for over five, seven or eight years now, and that's just coming to play, uh, coming into four now, and it's going to be great. See, what we're trying to do is get Johnson Street into a walking street, because the only way to make somewhere like Byron uh, be successful still as a tourist town is, is uh, minimise car usage and get people yeah. to park and walk uh, so that you get places like, you know, in you know, European cities where you have the centre of town, the piazza is mm. free of cars uh, and people can, you know, promenade and go to coffee shops. And so that's where we, <laughs> you know, it's going to be going to, which is good.
0: Yeah, because getting in and out of Byron is a bloody nightmare. It's basically single lane roads. You know, Eumansdale Road is usually a car park. And uh, is it is it uh, Broken Head Road going down south? Um, you know, it, it's long held. I had a friends moved up there you know in the wake of GFC and that was something that they said was really unusual they had not anticipated you know and that's that's a long time ago now and I can only imagine it's getting worse what um is there a you know, typically when people make a sea change or a tree change, if they haven't really sort of thought it out and they've got this sort of, um, mm. you know, dreamy aspirations but the reality of living in a regional area is quite different, there's a bit of a U-turn. It, it sounds to me, though, that... the that may not necessarily be a feature of this area? It would, you know, is there a sort of proportion of people that get there, realise made a mistake and then get the hell out of there?
1: Uh, no, less than you would think. Uh, I used to get a lot of people coming from the city or even from Europe or somewhere and their dream was to have an acreage region. But now I filter them out. I'm very blunt with people. Don't do this. You don't know what you're doing. Not so much <laughs> in those words. But you've got to understand that people, uh, they don't understand what the nature is like here. It's like a wild Mm. beast that comes at you. you Yes. You know, it's it's just (laughs) constant maintenance. And if somebody's got five acres and they don't know what they're doing, my Mm. job as a buyer's agent is to warn them, you don't know what you're doing, please don't do this. Um, Mm. But that's less now. But you'd be surprised because no matter with all its difficulties it's still incredibly successful and fantastic place to live, mainly because of the mix of people. And what you're saying is people do a tree change or a sea change, but we still, and let's try and keep it that way, we still have the best of a rural life and the best of a city life. Mm. Because when you've got the beach and the bush and walks, and you're able to really have an enjoyable lifestyle. And at the same time, you've still got the culture and the restaurants and things to do and activities and and people to meet that are always interesting and vibrant. Mm. That's a winning mm. formula. So that's still intact. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So, no, we don't have that many people throwing in the towel. We mainly have people throwing in the towel because – They can't afford to live here anymore and they can't, uh, they've overextended themselves or they can't keep up the rent or they're deciding to sell out Mm. and go somewhere cheaper like McLean or, or Mm. Kempsey or whatever, or somewhere inland like Kyogle or Drake. And that's, that's the only thing. So it's people, but you know, I've seen it over the years and I've seen so many transitions of people that keep uh, that, that, can't cut it for whatever reason, and new people come and replace it. And I've never felt that it's going to be anything of concern because it still keeps evolving and growing and changing and still being interesting. But as I said, this is a dilemma, this one, where we're seeing a completely different class of people Mm. wanting a piece of it, and I don't know how much that is going to affect it, maybe detrimentally. I don't know.
2: What, what that the major class is that sort of hipster tech business right or someone who's running an internet business that uh or can commute via i mean the gold coast airport is literally 20 30 minutes away and that's an amazing airport to go wherever you want singapore and then you go to the rest of the world but i mean what i are think doing it's an hour
0: they, away chris <laughs> well
2: it depends on where you, if you live on the north side um i mean yeah if you live in the hinterland i mean it's probably maybe 30 40 minutes i guess uh I mean, what are they doing for schooling, though? Because, you know, mm. if they are in that sort of 40s range, they might have young kids, the kids at schooling age. I mean, what are the schooling options like in Byron? Is that becoming a bit of an issue as well because they weren't anticipating this demand for schooling?
1: Yes, in short. There's two Steiner schools. They have a waiting list. very long. Um, this is <laughs> yeah. why... This is what I've been talking to people that are saying, "Oh, Airbnb is killing the town." I said, "Just go down and look at all the schools. They're building classrooms as fast as they can get land to build them on." So uh, it is an issue. Uh, but there's a lot of schools. You know, some people uh, do a big. Some kids are doing a big commute because there's good private schools in Lennox to Xavier. There's a couple: uh, Woodlawn and Trinity and Lismore. There's uh, TSS, the Southport School, if you want to go to the Gold Coast, and there's a couple of other, uh, Lindisfarne and New Bar, also an alternative upmarket school. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're booming because there's nothing more important to a hipster start-up couple than how to educate their kids. Mm.
2: But then if there's massive waiting lists, you can't move there, right? So um, you can't say the kids are <laughs> yeah, just going to miss school for six years. So uh, you know, that's, I guess, one of the things that are, you know, maybe potentially just going to slow it down. If you can't move there, if you can't get your kids into school,
1: yeah, maybe it hasn't happened yet. Um, uh, I haven't seen. You know, what conversation I have. Luckily, you know, my wife is a ex teacher. She's now a consultant, but she's been a teacher at this. At she works and um, it's a big. Uh, you know, we had that issue for a while. I had to stop because, um, you know, what would happen is that a public pri- primary school would suddenly become trendy with a, a, a good teacher or a good headmaster, and then everybody would commute their kids to that school. <laughs> you know, whether it's Coorbell School or Durumbo, uh, Boone and Gary, all these schools, little two or three class uh, primary schools, and then suddenly everybody would hear through the coffee shop that, oh, this is a really great school, and everybody would move there. So now it's... Uh, it's zoned. You can't move your kid. <laughs> you know, it's, it was bizarre. They stopped it. Yeah. Suddenly, oh, suddenly, Kurrawal School, which is a three-class school, would have you know a hundred applicants for the next year. You know, because suddenly it became known as the hip school.
0: Oh my God! This is just taking all the inner-city Sydney problems to the country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, before we get to the Dumbo, because hopefully you've got it, it sounds like you've probably got plenty of Dumbo examples, but um, what's happened with the loss of the beach?
1: Well, I can't uh, download on that too. Uh, it's a very complicated story, a very quick telegram thing. The, we, <laughs> uh, a, a Deep Green Council 15 years ago implemented what's called planned retreat for everything along the coastline. There's coastline protection which is very understandable, which is if uh, if your high tide comes from with 10 metres of your Belongel or water goes home, you have to demount it and move it unless it was built before the mid-1980s. So And also that ocean out there is a national park. It's a national park. You can't kind of commercially fish there or anything. But the combination of that has made it another super thorny issue on what to do with the beach. But basically what's happening now with Clark's Beach has got to do more, not so much with climate change or erosion. It's got to do with the La Nina that's happening now, where the current is keeping the sand uh, being pushed up. And if you go to Kira or or Tweed Heads, you'll see huge beaches. So what's been happening is that our sand that's supposed to be turning the corner at Cape Byron and coming into Belongel is being diverted from us by the current and is landing up north further. So we, our mm. issue is why can't we do what they do at Green Mountain and the Gold Coast and bring in one of those boats that kind of can push the sand uh, from out of the beach and push it back onto the beach? That's what some people that are doing that have businesses along and that's what we should do. But we have the dilemma that it's a national park and that needs special dispensation uh, and a whole la di da to have that happen. So exactly. that's a temporary issue, that beach will come back. But, yes, the erosion problem long-term is an issue.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, what are some of the big mistakes uh, that the new buyers to the area are making? You said they're, you know, overpaying because they're cashed up. But you know, what are some of the, you know, like what the locals know, yeah, you wouldn't want to live in that pocket because of this reason or you wouldn't want to live on that road because of these reasons. But what are some of the, the new people doing, the big mistakes they're making?
1: Yeah, well, there's little ones. You know, I've always had clients, you know, they, for example, the two that come to mind is Cooper's, Cooper's Chute Ridge. The wind <laughs> in the winter is so massive. You know, all of your veranda furniture gets pushed <laughs> to the north side of the veranda. So you've got wow. to be careful with something <laughs> like that. And there's also a, a, an exclusive, <laughs> really sought-after area of Friday Hut Road, which is beautiful. But because the topography of that area is if you're on the west side of Friday Hutt Road, you've got the double whammy of the western sun and no northeasterly breeze. So I've had people mm. move in there. I've known of know, know of people that have moved in there and in summer it's so incredibly hot. And mm. awnings wow. or air conditioning just don't lack don't don't uh, solve it. So they've had to sell. So there's a lot of little nuanced issues, yes, which is my Long, long period here and also me building and selling and buying over the many years that I've been here. I've learnt about these little nuances of which there are many.
0: Wind and rain. I imagine there's lots of areas that flood uh, habitually and roads washed, washing away and things like that. You know, there's the tricks like that, I imagine.
1: Yeah, there's places Inside up a of tips. Creek I should say- and Goon and Gary. You know, you can get locked in. Uh, for days yeah. at a time, that's very, uh, very common and very standard. But this is not going to be, um, you know, what well, this is going to be national soon. Uh, already, we're, I'm getting stories of people that can't insure their property. That happens in Lismore for a few years, mm. uh, but that's going to be the kind of standout thing generally for property. That's going to be the yeah, issue that's going to hit people to bring awareness of climate change to their fore immediately that if you're in a fire or flood zoning and your insurance policy suddenly says, oh, your insurance is going to go up from two grand a year to five grand a year, you're certainly going to wake up and start to take notice. Yeah. So uh, have you got a property dumbo for us, Michael? Uh, I didn't uh, uh, pre-think this, but uh, just things that come to mind, of course, Bar and Bay, you've just got to read the back pages of our local paper, Echo, and you know, you've got the, the crystal healing and the chakra balancing. And so I occasionally get some really interesting, not that I'm not, you know, of that ilk myself. I'm an old hippie, of course, and a, and a, and a snag, sensitive new age guy, so I'm not kind of averse <laughs> to it. But you get some totally bizarre requests around ley lines or you know, aspect or water was a big one for a while, not so much because of uh, people wanting to be, uh, you know, uh, survivalists and go bush, but people are very, I was always surprised, not so much now, but, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, I'd get people, oh, is there fresh water? Can I have a dam? Can I put in a bore? How can I get water? Is there a creek running water through it? that was always an issue that i thought was interesting That people have this concept that oh if things go pear shaped as long as i've got water and i can grow stuff so there's all there's always that but you know i get uh you know people buying a property for uh you know really uh sensitive things around uh, you know, they're, they're, they're moving here. So, of course, you've got the things about pesticides with banana plantations or macadamia trees nearby. So I kind of know when I've got a client who has a sensitivity around living a kind of a organic lifestyle, uh, I know how to deal with that. So that's not so much a Dumbo client. It's not so much funny, but it's kind of – I think it's peculiar to the Byron region – where you have people have a, 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 a particular sensibility around some of these uh, issues, new age issues.
0: <laughs>
2: the dooms, the doomsday sort of person that uh, you know want, also wants to get their piece of land that, in case the world does go to whatever yeah, it goes to. It, well,
1: yeah, well, I still get yeah. that. <laughs> people that want to bet each way, they still want to live a, a you know top end lifestyle, <laughs> but just in case things go a little bit hairy. They want to know that they've got <laughs> a few things covered.
0: <laughs> That's yeah, hilarious. Like
2: the, bu- the bunker and six months of food sort of stored away.
0: We, I just as one of the episodes that we did in the show, I had a, um, a vegan who wanted to buy a place for B&B and she – it's funny. We were looking, and she had some. She was wearing vegan boots, and we were traipsing around Mullumbimby and places like that. And her daughter was wearing thongs, right? But the daughter didn't get a leech. The mum got a leech, and and I'd only just discovered how to get rid of leeches, and um, and but I didn't know enough about vegans, and so she gets a leeches at the end of a day filming, and I went, "Oh, I don't know how to do to do with that." I ran inside and I grabbed a thing of salt from the kitchen, literally before she had a chance to do anything about it. I just poured the salt onto the leech on her leg, and. she she starts freaking out because, you know, because I've killed the leech. And um, and I'm like, but that thing will get to be the size of a rat if you leave it on there, you know. Like, it's the it's leech or you. She was very, very upset with me and the agent took me aside and said, oh, man, I had some people that really worry about walking on anywhere because they they're worried they're going to squash an ant.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, that,
0: That's, <laughs> that's <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the type of buyer you need to deal with. Very, very the, sensitive. The,
1: the, the funny topical story similar now is in well, upstairs there's two offices upstairs in Malmbimbi and one is a, a, a counselor dealing with uh, respiratory people in one office and you have a vestibule where it's shared and in the offices in the other offices just across the road from them is um, uh, the anti vaxxer office mm. <laughs> so there's kind of a war going on in this hallway. Where the people who are doing <laughs> respiratory counselling have to have the the uh, you know the um, the hand cleansing and the uh, COVID and the masks and across the aisle is the, oh, this is all <laughs> pandemic and da 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 so you know you have a microcosm <laughs> of the war that's going on right here <laughs> in one
0: corridor. That's a-
2: just practically on that as well as the technology side is the. Yeah, you said the hipster startup who's running an internet business needs good internet, right? So Ooh. how is that sort of I know there's been a lot of backlash around 5G and um yeah we don't want that oh, here. Yes. I mean, what's the um the the internet like just generally across the city? Is it uh, still very patchy and problematic?
1: Yeah, there's still blackout areas, but you see somewhere like the habitat, they've got fiber optic tala tala with some of the new subdivisions and some of the new developments have fiber optic. But also, you're able to get, um, you know, the it's not 5G, it's the uh, the NBN towers, uh, pretty good. You know, I'm on a I'm accessing one of the it's called fixed line tower, so I have a little satellite on my roof which goes to the visible gotcha. NBN tower, and I get like 25 uh, gigabytes download and five up, so I'm fine. And sometimes you can double that. But there's people who have got their own technology. I mean, there's a guy in the industrial estate in Byron who does uh, CGI graphics for Hollywood studios and uh, digitally transports it through his own system back to his Hollywood studio all the time. So he's transporting. So every there's, there's technology that can um, mix and match everybody's everybody's situation.
2: Yeah. So you might not be able to get great just standard internet, but if you can put a satellite on your your house, and you're willing to pay for it,
1: then it should be solved. Sort of Yeah, the, the, yes, you can manage it. And the the poor, the 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 conspiracy theorists that download, download uh, um, uh, unfortunately, will download their latest conspiracy theory on five G. They have to go to the Crystal Castle to realign their chakras after that uh, happens. <laughs> <by the state. laughs>
0: Ah oh, well, and on that note, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, very for, good very to interesting, go. yeah, very interesting conversation. And a, look, it's a very unique market up there, obviously in a very unique place. And and obviously, what you're talking about there is some of the nuances of local knowledge that really do assist anybody when they're buying uh, in such an area. So, uh, thank you. We really appreciate your time and your insights, Michael.
1: It was great fun. Thanks for the uh, conversation and uh, Byron is going to stay beautiful and wonderful for the years to come, uh, let's hope, but I think it will and uh, everyone's welcome.
0: <laughs>
2: Brilliant, Michael. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye.
0: We want to make you a better elephant rider and this week's Elephant Rider Boot Camp is?
2: So I think the insurance thing is not something we've really seen as a problem where a clients bought a house uh, and they can't get any building insurance they might have to pay a bit more money than they'd like to for it because they're in a bushfire zone or flooding zone etc but ultimately there's an insurer willing to do it but do we get to a world where insurers are just not willing to go to any area no insurers willing to insure in those areas and can you not get insurance and if you can't get insurance then you basically uh going to have to you know you know, protect the bank some way and and how do you protect the bank if the house falls over? So you might not be able to get a loan basically um, if you haven't got enough capital or some other security to protect um, the, the bank in case the house burns down or is flooded etc. So insurance is something that is definitely going to build in certain pockets around Australia where uh, insurers aren't willing to, to go and people may not be able to buy houses there because they can't get insurance.
0: Or on the flip side of that, they can get insurance, but it's so ridiculously expensive. They won't insure their property. So, uh, you know, there was a, in the recent floods up in Taree, there was a newspaper story about a guy that's, you know, he scraped together a deposit for his first home. He's bought his first home and then the insurance bill was $13,000 because it's in a flood zone. And so he didn't insure the property. So he's only recently taken bought the property. I don't know how he's got got around this with his bank by not insuring it. But, you know, that was actually avoidable because in his due diligence prior to purchasing that property, you can find out whether the property is in a flood zone or not. Now, unfortunately, and look, in New South Wales, there is a document in the contract, which used to be called the 149. Now, I think it's a section 10C or something, which basically, you know, it will flag if you're in a bushfire zone or a flood zone. And you can go to local councils. There's all these maps, you know, and a lot of this information is available online as well. It's not actually hard to find. And you go and find out, you know, the sorts of things that might impact your ability to insure that property or that will increase increase the cost of your insurance premium and so that that to my view is very 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 avoidable this information is freely available yet most people don't even think to look for it now and in New South Wales it is an essential document in your contract the zoning certificate um, or the 149 or 10 C or whatever it is the in in uh, in Victoria there's a section 32 um, uh, what do they call it uh, oh, forgotten the word um, disclosure that a vendor has to put together. So there's all these documents that go in that and a zoning certificate is part of that. Uh, In Queensland, there's no requirement at all for vendors to disclose this stuff, right? So Mm. but up to you as the buyer you know and if if you're dealing with a buyer's agent then i will checking this stuff out for you then you should be getting this stuff checked you need to look at that you need to get your, your solicitor looking at it or someone looking at the zoning and, and what the risks are because if you get stuck you know that's, that's a very expensive lesson
2: yeah i mean absolutely you should be doing a quote like if you're going to go and buy a you know a v8 twin turbo car uh, and you've you know got a bad driver history, you want to go and check whether you can get insurance on that car and, uh, before you actually sign up. So I think, you know, we could find, you know, you, some areas of Australia where, you know, you should be getting your insurance quote done before, when you're making offers, yeah. before you make an yeah. offer because you go, well, it's going to cost me five grand a year. That's a lot of cash that um, is, you know, eating into your capital growth or it might not be any capital growth because of mm. the insurance. So um, I also think we could see a green slip sort of solution where the banks don't check your insurance on an ongoing basis you provide a certificate of currency but they don't you know hold you to it you could actually cancel your insurance a week after getting your wow, mortgage. yeah the bank wouldn't know um there's no like interconnectedness between insurers and banks but you know in a digital world that's pretty easy right mm. so you know a mortgage provider could say it's coming up to your anniversary can you please um do send us your new certificate of currency yeah and every year the bank is checking and um you know if I was a bank and I want to manage my risk there'd be certain pockets of Australia where I wouldn't care about um but there'd be certain pockets where I would say look if a flood does happen we could have big losses so um we definitely need to check these areas so I think things like this are going to change as Obviously, the climate change story continues.
0: I think, too, that we do have short-term memories. I was talking to Megan Wells recently. Um, we were doing a podcast on Your First Home Buyer Guide and I can't remember exactly which episode, but we were talking about this type of thing and flooding. And and she was saying that, that up there, because you know, the the market's hot in Brisbane as it is everywhere else, that people are now buying flood-affected properties and there's a very little price difference, if any, between the flood-affected property and the ones that aren't flood-affected. And so the reality is that if people can't remember to, what is it, eight years ago or so, when the last lot of floods came through and the devastation and now in the sort of the, the blindness of FOMO, they're now not Actually paying a discount for those properties, but they will—it'll, you know, bottom in the bum at some point.
2: I mean, the floods that we just had in Sydney, and uh, you know, just the last couple of months. Mm. If that was in Brisbane, that would have flooded Brisbane. The amount of water that mm. came down—you um, know—it just was a bit further south than it probably could have been, and um, Brisbane would have flooded again. So, uh, yeah, that's—I mean—that's a sign of a hot market. You've yeah. been seeing that now, Veronica, in uh, in Sydney. People in Melbourne be seeing the same thing where the Cs and Ds, the busy roads, people are desperate. Um, investors are more likely to offload those properties as well. Yeah. They're more likely to be a bigger saturation of those properties and um, less of quality assets. So people are probably paying big prices for the poor properties um, as well as paying massively overs for the good stuff. So They're taking,
0: it's a hard market. It is a very hard market. They're taking risks they would not take normally. And so I'll give you a good example, and that might be a property that where renovation was done you know, maybe say five, seven years ago, and there are no, there's no occupation certificate or building, building yeah. certificate. And so, in a slow market, that is the very thing that will stuff that sale up. The so will ask for it, they would be able to get it, the buyer go, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure about that. The council go, no, nah, that's not approved. You know, all this stuff will be very, very negative and that would really make that property difficult to sell. Now, In this market, and we've had this happen recently, where we've discovered parking that was not approved, council's very clear, it's in writing, not approved. Uh, We go to council to find out, well, what what would be required to become approved? And it's like there was conditions provided 10 years ago and, of course, no, we're not guaranteeing that those conditions would apply now. You need to lodge a DA in order to find out whether or not parking is going to be approved, right? And so you go, okay, well, I'm buying a property in Balmain and – And it's got, to all intents and purposes, parking. But if I find that it doesn't have parking, it's suddenly devalued quite significantly and we knew that because of our due diligence but I can guarantee other buyers wouldn't have known that I even went back to the agent and I said you know what you should not be advertising this property as having parking now the vendor solicitor comes back and says oh no statute of limitations you know councils you know they've it's too much time has gone past council can't make these people remove the parking and I'm like yeah but it could make the next owners remove the parking there's no no um uh, protection there for a buyer of that property. Now, unfortunately, and, and sometimes you know, I get a bit ranty on this because I feel in some ways like my client's a bit disadvantaged. My client knows that my client could have afforded to buy this property, could have paid more than the highest than it ultimately sold for and was prepared to until we found out that the parking was a bit dodgy, right? And um, the thing is, and, and maybe it's all right, maybe it's fine, but what if it isn't? You know, what if it isn't? Yeah. And so we've got to buy that property thinking what if it isn't? And we've got to price it according to what if it isn't. Client may still decide to go, I don't care, and that's fine. But At least they've got their eyes wide open. But most of the other buyers, I guarantee you, buying that property wouldn't have asked the questions that we asked and wouldn't know what we knew.
2: I mean, yeah, it's a similar story. Clients buying something up on Central Coast just recently um, and none of the renovations have been approved. This is massive structural renovations, mm. and. um you know, they did a bit of digging. Uh, luckily, they were doing their due diligence and I was really on them, uh, you know, friends of the family. And uh, they said, no, we're not going to go for this property. And uh, it went for a massive price at mm. Uh And so the person who bought that just obviously didn't care yeah. or didn't do the due diligence. And so these things are happening. Um, and, you know, the frustrating thing is is that there's a very limited op- alternatives right now. That is the problem. The goods, you go, well, I'm not going to buy that stuff. It's compromised because you know, for some reason, it's not a quality asset. And then you're trying to buy the good stuff and, you know, good luck because, you know, there's always someone willing to pay a huge price at the moment that's desperate. We've had very few success with people buying. We've had more pre-approvals than ever um, because it's so hard just to buy whatever at the moment because there's someone who's um, a bit more desperate than you.
0: And, you know, I'm more than happy for my clients to go, right, hell for leather. Go, You're going to have to pay a premium when you buy. You're going to have to. But, we have got to minimise that risk because there is risk with property. If you've been around long enough, you know it. Um, and you know, I was actually a bit surprised at Michael was saying, "Oh, you know, I don't ever see it going down again." You know, after the GFC, you know, there were honestly we were looking at properties, as I said, and we weren't looking back. Well, that was back, sort of in the million dollar bracket bracket. You know, one to one point two, that sort of range you know, there were properties that were struggling at that price bracket, you know, and they, the ones that did sell, sold for big, big discounts. And that can happen again. You know, I think that we we forget and it might be a, a world-class destination. Well, it was world-class then too, you know, so yeah. these are always risks. And so you got to buy a cracker, you buy a good one and someone will want it. But you buy a dog, you buy this, you know, the one with on the Western side with the, the you know, the terrible heat. Yes, you might get it now and say, I don't care anymore. But you know, when the market slows down, you will care.
2: Oh, and I think you might not have to worry. It's not always about losing money and the price of the property falling. Some of the risk is just the property price just doesn't do anything. Mm. And I think the risk at the moment is people are going in there with uh, after a boom and say 35%. Uh, and that's sometimes on the poor stuff, just as much as yeah. the, the good stuff. For sure. and you're going and buying a poor asset that's paying let's say 40 or 50% over what it was worth a couple of years ago because you bought under hot conditions, um, that property might not do anything for 10 years. Mm. You know, you've already you you've basically paid for all your growth <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's the problem with buying in these areas uh, after big price rises is that, uh, you know, 2020 was a unique year and maybe in 2030 the, the property price is the same. So just be super careful uh, buying into hot markets.
0: Yep. Please join us for our next episode. We're having a conversation about auction price guides and in a rising market, oh my God, underquoting is rife or is it? Who's really to blame? Well, we're going to look at the whole issue from both sides of the coin and we're talking with a sales agent, Robert Clark from Bell Property Annandale. He's really giving us some fantastic insights into the whole background of where price guides come from and what buyers do with different price guides and why agents really are in a bit of a bind at the moment. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or north shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au.
2: If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team would love to carefully guide you on this journey. And most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember,
0: don't be a dumbo.